So today's discussion is a little personal for me in that um, I think as a mom of young children, you think there will come a time where maybe you won't worry so much about your kids. But as a mom of older children who have their own families, I will tell you that you continue to worry. And when something really dramatic happens, you worry a lot. And I took this episode that my son went through um, very internally. It it really was crushing me on the inside. It was causing a lot of physical pain. And I realized that for me to be the best I can to support him, I needed to give that to God. And so releasing all of that stress and worry to God gave me the ability to not only not hurt in pain physically, but to just be there to support him and to encourage him. So let's let's share some more for you. Building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Hey, happy Thursday, Giant Builders. Here we are again. And as you know, or you may no, I'm not sure. Uh, we're based on four pillars, and those feel, excuse me, those four pillars are spiritual, health, family, and business. And so today we're especially focused on family because my son Josh is our guest speaker. And I know that with family, most of our speakers have been on young children. You know, like one of my favorite was. Um, the one that talked about children reading and talking. And, um, but today I really wanted to have Josh on because as a, I'm not going to (laughs) cry as a grown up child. um, We still worry about them. And Josh has had some recent um, challenges and I wanted to just talk to him about that as family members and, you know, how I feel as a mom. So Hi, Josh. How you doing? Hey, we're we're okay. We're hanging in there. Oh, good. So um, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about why you would probably be a guest today? What's your situation, what you've been through? Yeah. Um, so when I left Indiana 12 years ago, I moved to the beautiful town of Lahaina in Maui in Hawaii. And uh, recently, our our town was destroyed by uh, wildfires that ripped through and just decimated everything. So we're kind of displaced from our home right now. Um, Thankfully, our home is still standing, but our house is at the very top of Lahaina Luna Road, which overlooks the city. So um, uh, we were very grateful. Our house is in the the safe zone. Um, The fire uh, happened just below us on what we call the bypass, our little highway there. Um, It happened just below that highway. And uh, the wind was so strong, it didn't really stand a chance of coming back up to our house. But um, but yeah, we still have a lot of roof damage and air quality issues. And then they can't get on the internet over there. So we're temporarily uh, residing in, in Kihei on the other side of the island on South Maui right now. So I know you went, first off, let me say that we didn't know about the fire until Josh called us and um, it hadn't made the news yet. So as a mom, that was 
that was really like a, a very traumatic time, you know, it was like, Oh, there's a fire. It's burning down the whole town. You know, we're going online to try to find it, but you actually had some experience with it. Can you share with people like your process that what you went through? Yeah. Um, so two weeks ago on uh, that Tuesday, um, I guess the day before on Monday, we had been alerted that there would be very high winds. There was a hurricane that was going a couple hundred miles south of the islands. And apparently there was going to be really high winds as a result of that hurricane. So we knew that there were going to be pretty heavy winds that night. So um, in the middle of the night, it, the wind was going so hard that it uh, it was shaking our house. Um, I've, we've got two young daughters, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And I mean, they were both woken up by the wind and came in and were scared and they put them back down and, and told them to be all right. It's just, just wind, no big deal. Um, but I, I mean, our whole house was shaking and I knew at that time it's probably going to cause some damage to the roof. And that was about the, the extent of it. But in the morning, um, probably around six or six 30, um, we realized that there was a fire and we've had brush fires before, um, about five years ago, we had one that, that caused us to have to evacuate our house. And so kind of brought back some flashbacks to that where we were standing on our lanai or um, I guess you guys would call it like a porch off the off our second story off our master bedroom. And um, we could see the fire in the in the distance. It wasn't very big. It was a, it was a small brush fire. But just to be safe, we evacuated our house. Um, my in-laws live just north of us in Kapalua, so we went up there to stay with them and uh, spent the day at the pool and just spending time with them. Um, school was canceled because of the heavy winds, and so um, we we didn't think much of it. Um, and around probably like three o'clock or so, we uh, wanted to go check things out back at the house and see if it'd be okay to go back home and as we were coming back into town, um, we would see just these huge, huge smoke clouds just coming out from Lahaina. And um, we called a friend, learned that um, there was a fire about halfway up our road. Um, our road is Lahaina Luna Road. So um, there's a fire at the park up there is what we heard. And so... Um, at that time, cell phone reception was was spotty, but it was there. We could still get calls out, um, and so I I was in a different vehicle from from Taryn, my wife, and she had the girls. So I called her and I told her I was going to try to go forward and get back up to the house to check things out, and she was going to turn around and go back up to Kapalua until things were safe. So I uh, went into town on the highway, and uh, as I came up to where the bypass goes to go up to our house, it, it looks like there were some orange cones that were blocking it off. And so I didn't want to risk trying to go into an area I wasn't supposed to. So I kept going into Lahaina um, on the highway. And when I got to our road, Lahaina Luna Road, <clears throat> there were firefighters there at the bottom of it. And the, that, that was clearly where the smoke was coming from was our road. And they were not letting anybody go up. And you couldn't even if you wanted to. There was so much smoke. 
Um, and so I ended up taking a right, kind of going towards Front Street, going into Lahaina Town, like the heart of the town. Um, I didn't go all the way to Front Street, so I went to the the next street that's parallel to that, uh, Waine'e Street, and um, turned right to go back up north on Waine'e, and uh, the traffic was really, really bad. It was very slow. Um, and as I came to where the the Kaiser Clinic is, which is where where our doctors are located, um, I started to notice little fires, just really small fires on the side of the road. Um, like, and it was kind of shocking to me. I had never seen anything like that before. It was like little piles of leaves were all of a sudden just lighting up on fire. Um, and then as I went past Kaiser, um, there's some, some small apartment kind of housing on the, on the right side there. And, um, started to notice like little, little structures, I, I saw on fire and then all of a sudden, I mean, the winds was still going, going 60 miles an hour and it was blowing this hot burning embers and coals across our way and um, at my car. And that's when I started to realize like this, this is really, really bad. Um, and everything was going really slow it was a single, single lane, but there was nobody coming the other way. And so everybody was starting to go, both lanes to get out um and it was still still slow and next thing i know a couple minutes later i'm looking to my right and it's not little structures anymore it's it's full-on buildings on fire right next to me and um everybody was starting to turn towards front street um thankfully i didn't go that way i went back up to the highway and um I was able to get onto the bypass. I, I realized it wasn't actually closed off. So I went onto the bypass to go up to my house because I wanted to make sure everything was okay up there. And uh, as I went up to the bypass, the bypass, there's a point where it meets the Haina Luna Road, which is um, up pretty high in the city or above the town. And when I got up there, um, I was able to look down and I saw the whole, the whole town was on fire. Everything was on fire below us. Um, and then I really understood just the extent of the the tragedy of what was going on. The wind was just making everything awful. And so um, I remember I, I went up to our house and uh, I mean, there were shingles all over the place. Uh, the wind had just destroyed our roof. And um, I remember I, w I went up onto the roof and just sat there and cried and watched our city burn. I mean, the smoke was was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Well, everything was on fire. Um, and so um, our house was okay. I grabbed some things. Uh, in the moment, I was going into shock. And so I, I grabbed just random weird things. And then the next day, I thought like, why well, didn't I grab stuff that I actually needed? But <laughs> I just wasn't processing. So I just grabbed stuff, whatever I could. And um, I had to fight through crazy traffic to get back up north at the time i i wasn't thinking in terms of um lives lost and people being stuck on front street and all that i mean those stories came out the next couple of days and i i could have been a part of that if i hadn't gone up to the highway and gotten out of there but um yeah at, at the time it just seemed like everybody was was kind of safely getting out and going north and um there's just slow, slow traffic. It took me a long time. It was about probably two or two and a half hours that, that Taryn couldn't, 
hear from me and I couldn't get a call out to her. So she was just having a complete meltdown worrying about me. And, but luckily I, I made it up there. Okay. And, um, yeah. And it, it wasn't until those next couple of days that we really understood the, the destruction and the lives lost and everything else that was, was really going on. So. Yeah. So tragic. And, you know, it's just, it's just amazing to think of, I mean, we've been there visiting you so many times and we've walked front street so many times and just to, to think now that it's gone, it's just really heartbreaking. Yeah. So you have, um, you, you have two girls, my precious little granddaughters, they're four and six. Um, how are they doing? I think they're okay. I mean, it's hard. Um, since we're over here in Kihei, we enrolled them in, in schools over here for the time being. We're still not sure exactly what the long-term plan is going to be, but it was hard. Um, we had several days where we just, we had no power. Um, we were Everybody was just trying to survive. Everybody was just trying to get ice, trying to keep coolers going, um, trying to preserve food as much as we could. We weren't sure when we were going to get food, so we just grabbed everything that we could wherever we could. Um, there, all the gas stations were closed. Electricity was, was gone. Water was off temporarily. Um, so it, everybody was in survival mode for a couple days, and we just tried to make everything as um, as normal as we could for them. Um, luckily we were up in Kapalua and there were swimming pools that were still going, uh, still accessible to us. So we just tried to have fun with them and, and, um, not, not, uh, not let the enormity of it all get to them as much. Um, but it was, it was hard but for, for those first couple of days, we weren't even allowed to go back into town. Um, they were making everybody stop at Kanapali and turning us around. And so um, I think it was, I think it was like two days after the fire, two or three days, um, we finally were able to get back in and go to our, see that our house was standing, which was uh, very emotional. We, yeah. we, had no, we had no idea the extent of where it went because we didn't have any internet. We didn't have any cell phone reception at all. So, I mean, everybody on the mainland had way more information than we did. We didn't know if our house was, was still, still there. And so we were able to go back, but, um, when we drove back through town and just saw the devastation of everything that had happened, I mean, Ro Rosie burst into tears and it's, it was hard. It was very hard for her, um, to see everything just destroyed like that. Karis is four and she's so young. She's, she doesn't really understand. Mm -hmm. So Rosie burst into tears. Karis burst into laughter. Um, <laughs> she doesn't understand but um rosie understood and then you know just a couple of nights ago i was putting the girls to bed and i i told rosie that her her favorite restaurant was not there anymore and i mean she burst into tears again it's it's hard i think she kind of understands that the, the bigger picture of what happened. Um, but then to, 
mention the specific things that are meaningful to her that brings a new level to it for her. So, um, but I think overall they're okay. Um, we haven't noticed anything that is worrisome in terms of their behavior. They seem to be doing okay in terms of these new schools that we've got them into for now. Um, so I, I think they're okay, but it, I mean, it's a lot, it's, it's the, the worst fire in over a century in our nation. Yeah. So it'll be something that will, will stick with them for their lives, that they were a part of it. Mm -hmm. What a blessing that the schools opened up for them. I mean, the school had already started for a few weeks and to just open up and, and ex take in the fire survivors, that was quite a blessing. Yeah, um, our girls, they had gone to school for one week. And then um, luckily the public schools, uh, um, at least on, I, I think everybody took a, a, a break and pushed back their start date. So actually everybody started last week on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Rosie, her first day, she went on Thursday. So she didn't really miss anything um, because they they did push the start date back a week for, for the rest of the public schools. So um, yeah, so that was, that was nice that, that she's kind of entering at the same time as everybody else. So what are the conditions now? Um, I mean, the, the federal government has come in, uh, FEMA's come in, the Red Cross has come in. There's, there's so many government organizations now that are on the ground. Um, they are, they have several different um, places set up in town um, to provide resources for those who, who need it. Um, they're still doing, um, it's, it's not really rescue anymore. It, they're, they're still doing um, recovery efforts. They're, they're trying to, to find any trace of bodies that they can find now. Um, the, the fire was just so hot, so so big that it it just completely destroyed everything. And so they're they're just trying to um, get any little piece of, of DNA that they can to try to identify um, human remains uh, at this point. So I mean, I think the official account is like one fifteen right now, and there's still over eight hundred people missing two weeks later. So that number is going to go up a lot. Um, so that's nobody's allowed into the the ash heap that is the, the town. There's, they still have to clean up all the toxic stuff that's in there. Um, but there are stations set up at Lahaina Gateway. Um, we were, we were just went through there on a, a few days ago, and uh, everything's very efficient, um, very easy. They have all kinds of supplies. Um, it's just a matter of whether people can get there. I mean, there are so many cars that were destroyed. It's just a matter of transportation and people getting where they need to go. Um, so there, there are different access points, though. There's one there in Lahaina, and there's one in the Pili Park, one at the Pili Plaza, one at Citizen Church up there um, in Kahana. So there's there's different places that have a lot of different resources for people, which is great. Um, my understanding is they have moved everybody out of like the bigger shelter places and have started to put people into hotel rooms. And so there's a lot of hotel rooms that have um, opened up to displaced families, which is 
really great. Um, I just had a, a friend text me that uh, he's one of the executives at the Hyatt and, and uh, he said that they still have about 35 rooms and asked if we knew anybody who needed a place to, to stay for a while. Um, so, um, yeah, so all the hotels are, are trying to accommodate every, everybody. Um, nobody can really go over the West side. They, they, uh, the electricity is okay. Um, the power's back on, uh, at least for the time being, I think they're still trying to do the major fixes, but they've put temporary, um, things in place to make sure that everybody can at least have electricity. Um, in my neighborhood, the under, my understanding is our water is safe now. It's okay. But everything that's in the, the burn vicinity, the, the water is, yeah. I mean, you can't even, you can't even boil it to make it sanitary. It's really bad. Um, but you know, there's not many houses left in those areas. So, um, let's see what else is going on over there. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, just a lot of a lot of roof damage. Um, I talked to a roofer today who said that um, they uh, or talked talk to a roofer who said that he uh, had put up temporary fixes on like eighty to ninety houses the other day just to try to prepare for for what was supposed to be some rains coming up this week. Um, and he said, you know, we're we're just doing this stuff for for free, just trying to help people. Um, so a lot of, a lot of damage. Um, we're, we're still trying to figure out our, our insurance side of things. Um, the president was here yesterday. I, I, I guess he was making speeches over there on, on, on the Lahaina side. Um, so a lot, a lot of attention right now, but I think it's just a matter of what the long term uh, looks like. Um, you know, we, we were just talking to a, a counselor today and, you know, it's it's really going to be like the five or six month mark that it's going to be most important. And just looking at the the marathon scope of things, because when the federal government comes in, it's kind of a sprint trying to help everybody as quickly as they can. But I mean, it seems like it's going to take maybe even a year just to try to clean up the mess that is the hyena. So um so yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what everybody's going to be doing over there. Um, how livable it is. I know everybody is discouraging any kind of tourism over to the west side. The rest of the island is open though. I mean, over here on the south side, Kihei Wailea, you wouldn't even know that there's anything like that going on. Um, so you know, well, the, the west side's not a good place to be, but the rest of the island is is safe and good. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, it's just. We're, we're, we're kind of still in survival mode, taking everything a day at a time to see what kind of new information comes in and trying to evaluate um, what the long term is going to look like. I, I don't know even whenever the public schools over there are going to open because the public schools, uh, the one of the elementary schools burnt down, but um, the elementary, intermediate and high school are all at the top of the hill. And so my understanding is a lot of the teachers don't feel comfortable going back there anytime soon because if you catch some of that wind that brings some of that toxic ash up there they don't want to be exposed to that kind of air um so there's just there's still a lot of questions to to be resolved but at least for the time being um people have places to stay um so there's so many people who lost their homes 
Um, but they've got rooms to stay in, at least for now. And they, the, the Band-Aid is, is on the, the bullet wounds and <laughs> stopping some of the bleeding. But it's just uh, a matter of looking at the long term. Yeah, it's going to be my my hope is that we won't forget that Lahaina still needs to be rebuilt and that we'll still support the process because that side of the island does depend on tourism and there's not really much other type of income available to people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I wish to... Um, speak an admiration to you. I mean, we did offer for you guys to come here and stay with us. And then I also offered to take the girls while you were working through the process. And um, I admire the fact that you guys said, no, we want the girls to be with us. We want them to help support the community. We want them to not be separated from us. We, we want to work through this as a family. And so I do admire you and Taryn for that that very noble act because it's um it's a it's a process it's going to be quite a process yeah 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 so we've we see it as our town and we want to do what we can and it and it's our home um it's hard to to think about leaving our our home so and and i do mean that very literally like our our actual house um because it is one of the few that's remaining in Lion Town proper now, and um, we just need to be able to keep an eye on it. We just when we went back the other day, there was a leak underneath uh, one of the upstairs faucets and the the bathroom that the girls use. And if I, if I had just left the house, like who knows how bad that could have gotten? So yeah. I was able to turn the water off and. I, I still got to figure out why it was leaking, but uh, at least I was able to, to stop it from going any further. Um, so just things like that and to be able to be on the grounds and talk to roofers. I mean, that's that's going to be a priority in the next few weeks is trying to get that roofing project going as, as soon as we can. Um, so, yeah, we want to we want to help as best we can while also taking our time to to heal and recover from it all and and uh, just process all the crazy stuff that has happened um so we've we've been going over there every few days or so and when we do we try to make sure that we're bringing supplies or or doing something that'll benefit others who um just are, are stuck over there we're in a very lucky situation where we uh have some family friends who are putting us up and and uh helping us to have a place to stay uh well we try to get things situated over there um but not everybody has that and some people have nothing um and so their only option is to go to those hotels um i'm not i'm not even sure what the kids are going to do with school and that kind of thing so um you just have to wait and see how that all plays itself out but we're we're very uh we're very lucky to have resources available to us to be able to um, be somewhere comfortable and safe where we can just focus on the girls and making sure that they're okay. Okay, well, I want to pray for Lahaina, okay? Lord, we just thank you for your love and your guidance, and we just ask that you be with the people of Lahaina, Lord, the people who have lost so much, and just that you will have the people, your people, Lord, 
just to surround them and love them and to um, help them through this process and help them to to heal and to regrow and to rebuild their lives in this beautiful community of Lahaina. Lord, it was such a beautiful town and just the history there and just the, um, the unique structures. And I know that there's going to be a process of how to rebuild it and a long process of rebuilding it and just ask to give people patience and guidance through that process. Lord, if there's anything that we can do for these people, please touch our hearts and let us know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Josh, thank you so much. Um, yeah. I appreciate you letting, sometimes we don't know if the news is telling us the truth or not. So it's really, it's really great to hear from a real person that's there. And plus, this is the first time I've seen you. I mean, we've talked on the phone several times, so it's really a pleasure to to see you. And I so just wish I could give you a big hug. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, it, yeah. it is hard to, hard to know. E even for us, I mean, looking at things in the news, um, hard, hard to know what's, what's real and what's not, especially those first few days. Everything was just so chaotic. And we were hearing all kinds of crazy stories, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the worst of things is like there, there just was no warning to it all. I mean, when, when they're talking about the sirens not going off, they didn't, the sirens did not go off. We didn't get any notifications on our phones. There, there was nothing. If, if uh, I hadn't been in the middle of it myself, I wouldn't have known to get the heck out of there as fast as I, I did, but there were people in their homes and we're hearing stories of people who were just, watching TV and just kind of cautiously waiting for the evacuation notices to come. And it never did. And minutes later, their house is on fire. And, and so that's, I think that's why the, the, the tragedy got to be as bad as it is, especially with the number of deaths. Mm -hmm. um, people didn't know and they got, they got caught and stuck in it. So yeah. a, a lot of those stories are true, but um, so it's, it, it is, just very sad. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing um, with our listeners and I can't wait yeah. to give you a hug. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Next month. Well, or <laughs> October, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They're coming to visit me, which was planned before the Lahaina incident. So we're really glad that you didn't change your mind. <laughs> yeah. We, we'll need a break at that point. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, Giant Builders, if you have any questions or wish, wish to make a comment or send a, send a prayer, I'll look for some places for donations that I'll link below too. So um, thanks, Giant Builders. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.